Welcome to Radio Anticamera and to a new episode of Aputa da Leitura, conversations with curious minds using publishing in architecture as a tool to explore the consequences of our designs. I'm your host, Giulia Albani. In this podcast series, we invite our guests to take us for a walk to know more about their ideas and publishing strategies and the way they investigate and disseminate sometimes hidden, overlooked and urgent issues in the built environment through their books. Today, we look at the book Critical Neighborhoods, The Architecture of Contested Communities by Paul Muraira, published in 2022 by Park Books. At a time when architectural and urban studies are moving towards seeking to accept and understand informal neighborhoods rather than ignoring or eradicating them, the need for experiments on the ground is becoming increasingly urgent. In recent years, a growing number of architects and spatial practitioners have begun to act on their commitment to the idea that these settlements are here to stay and require selective intervention. A closer look in this ambition is done by Paul Muraira with his recent book, Critical Neighborhoods, The Architecture of Contested Community. His book analyzes recent studies and practical actions in three different continents, Africa, America, and Asia. He is joined in making this book by Elisa Silva, Julia King, Matthew Barak, and Ines Weizmann, with a preface by Abdumalik Simon. All neighborhoods, says Simon, are critical in some way. They all provide a platform of residence and operation for someone, making a contribution to the overall functioning of the urban that may or may not be recognized or valued. What this project on critical neighborhoods offers is a systematic way of restoring attention to the capacities of particular districts to offer generative salient knowledge of what it is possible to do within urban life in all its fragility and brokenness. The authors have sought to engage with a variety of neighborhoods in Luanda, Caracas, and New Delhi in a manner that involves archival research, the study and making of maps, plans, drawings, and photographs, and institution building as a collaborative data gathering at different scales. They effectively mobilize these methods to make historical connections and reveal the slow dismantling incremental upgrading and belabored infrastructural sustention of the range of neighborhoods. Here, research takes the form of collaborative projects with residents, community associations, and urban institutions over a protracted period of time. This book is a byproduct of these collaborations rather than the ultimate objective. While the authors draw on post-colonial urban theories to offer a conjunct history of their respective cities, the methods and outcomes are an outstanding example of contemporary architectural research. Each city is rooted in a radically different historical context, yet their shared affective landscapes allows them to speak easily to one another. 
If we have a look at uh, the book and how it's structured, after Simone's introduction, What Makes a Neighborhood Critical, we can read from Paolo thorough introduction on his uh, understanding of critical neighborhoods, followed by um, the body of three detailed um, zoom-ins, starting with uh, Elisa Silva's um, investigation in La Palomera in Caracas, Venezuela, which she titles Barrio uh, is City, Public Space, Art and Pedagogy as Tools for Urban Integration. Followed by going in the book uh, to New Delhi, India, to Tea Camp, a chapter by Julia King, Stitching the City Together. And uh, the third chapter brings us to Luanda in Angola, to the neighborhood of Chicala, written by uh, Paul Moreira, documenting a disappearing neighborhood. It is wonderful that the book allows um, that actually the three authors and their respective perspectives on these uh, three neighborhoods are joined uh, in a conversation moderated by Matthew Barak. So through several pages, they exchange their respective experience and insights in a critical conversation. And then Ines Weizmann has the afterwards um, the afterword, and I'm going to quote her as um, the, the the practice of documenting and researching in from her perspective is is very relevant to to close the book. She says the impetus of document the existing environment is more compelling at certain moments in history than others, and is often driven by social and political change. The transformation or destruction of buildings, villages, and even cities in the context of war, natural disaster, or capitalist expansion to make space for new urban developments strengthens the urge to record what is going to disappear. The book, in one's hand, hardcover, relatively um, small in size, is not what it is when you open it. It is uh, both a workbook, a research, and we're very happy that uh, we had the chance to invite Paul Muraira to Radio Antecámara on the occasion of third edition of A Puta da Leitura to tell us more about the book upon the occasion of the book launch in Lisbon. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, Paul Muraira, our guest to launch the third edition of the pop-up bookstore and um, podcast project A Puta da Leitura at Radio in Galeria Anticamera. We are very happy um, that we can take the book Critical Neighborhoods, the Architecture of Contested Communities as a starting point for conversations that will hopefully um, accompany us through the next uh, week um, of A Puta da Leitura, the third edition actually, running from today, 23rd of September, through 1st of October. And uh, through the next days, we're uh, going to have different events, different occasions to continue the conversations. But um, books are at the core of this project, and books are um, a very interesting tool to us to influence and inform the way we speak about architecture and the built environment. Welcome, Paul Muraira. And welcome everyone who joined us tonight here at Radio Antecamera. Um, I have prepared a few questions. Um, since I received the book, 
a couple of days ago. The book was published um, a couple of months ago uh, by Park Books. Um, and I will hear more about the editor um, who is here with us, Paulo Murayra, um, who will tell us also about um, his colleagues that he invited to contribute to it. And um, sticking with um, the title, which, um, of course, initially when we when we had the plan with Paolo to, to take this book and launch it in Lisbon because it had already been launched in several other places and will have actually a great book tour, um, not only in Europe, but I think also outside Europe where you're going to present it. But, uh, but, but, but I would like to start, um, first of all, with uh, some terminology. So why critical neighborhoods, Paolo, and um, why has critical neighborhoods become a book? <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Julia, for um, hosting me and inviting me for this um, for this podcast project. I'm very happy to be here in Lisbon and and meet you and hear people at Galeria and Camera. It's critical in the sense that it's urgent. You know, it's it's very uh, immediate and, and 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 urgent, really, the, to uh, um, tackle these places to work with them you know i think master planning urban planning architecture takes a very long time and this there's no time to wait in these places and i i, I felt they, they are critical in that sense um, uh, there's a, a sentence in the preface of, of the book where um, abdul malik simon says the neighborhood as a critique as well as an embodiment of of critical functions uh, there's a challenge, I think, posed by these uh, neighborhoods that um, that brings questions and opportunities for an engaged architecture. And that's what I try to, to bring here with the book. Yeah, and also the, the this urgency and the immediate um, reaction brought you actually to the choice of these three places, at least the, the one of those that was um, announced to be demolished. Maybe you can... Um, Tell us a little bit more how you chose these uh, three different study cases that also structure the book. Yes. Uh, well, my research and my, my PhD research was uh, on Shikala, a neighborhood in Luanda, the capital of Angola. And and, and therefore, it's it's a place I, I know very well. I, I lived there in several uh, uh, periods over uh, maybe tw eight years or, or so. Um, and... Uh, one of the chapters were was very immediate for me to 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 bring in, in into the book. But the the idea of the this publication is really to open up a dialogue with um, other neighborhoods. So I I, I admire the work of uh, Julia King and Elisa Silva. Uh, Julia is an architect based in in, in UK, uh, working in India for several years. Uh, she was part of my PhD group at London Metropolitan University. Um, and Elisa Silva, I didn't know her in person. I, I, I follow her work and I really uh, inspired by her work uh, in Caracas, in more specifically in La Palomera. And um, I, uh, well, I contacted them both to, to ask if they would uh, jump on board and, uh, and write uh, a chapter for, for a book. And uh, I, I don't, uh, they, they, they were... <laughs> They were enthusiastic about it, and uh, that's how we started to to formulate and, and, and give a, a shape to the book around these three cases. And um, 
the 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 choices because um, I'm passing this book now here around in in this in this room and um, if you if you open the book you immediately um, see the structure because uh, the three study cases that uh, that you just mentioned uh, each have um, a different um, color so. Um, the the study case from Angola is pink, um, Venezuela is yellow, and uh, and India is green. It's a little bit like um, reencountering for me actually the reclam books or 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 post-its, but it's actually a very nice uh, way how to combine reflective thoughts and um, a selection of evidence. And with evidence, I mean um, how your different um, co-authors um, and and yourself. Um, collect uh, what you observed in these uh, in these neighborhoods, and um, they are each very different. And maybe Paul, um, in the concept of this book, you also had an, an idea because you will use, or I, I, it's what I think you you use this book also as a tool, no, for within your practice. Um, to and I want to quote you um, because um, actually on page on page uh, where is it? On page 136, um, which is part of a chapter where you and Julia um, and um, Elisa have a conversation, um, you were saying it's a mission, a crusade to encourage dialogue between diverse areas of practice and action. In this uh, this sentence, I find it very strong, and it's almost like as if it was a crusade that is almost impossible. But you produced this book, and it has a lot of evidence um, demonstrating how possible it is. So I don't know if you want to expand a little bit on how you how you orchestrated um, these 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 three different approaches uh, to document these uh, these neighborhoods. Yes, when we uh, when we were uh, really. Uh, setting up the the idea for for the book and having our first Zoom meetings. This was basically uh, planned during the first lockdown in the in in twenty twenty. Yes. Um, we realized it would be important to add a fourth chapter, which uh, would uh, transcribe a conversation among us three, because. In those conversations we were having, we felt that there was a lot more going on in our own practices than those three chapters, right? Every one of us was learning from those experiences and uh, applying or uh, involving different types of collaborations in other parts of the world. And uh, in our closer context, in my case, in Portugal, in Julia's case, in, in, in the UK, and in Elisa's case, also um, in the US. And we felt that chapter should be moderated. So we invited um, Matthew Barak to um, conduct the conversation and, 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 and guide the conversation among us three. I felt that uh, having different uh, types of contexts with their own uh, questions and their own challenges, we could see what is at the same time common to us as uh, methodologies, like how we architects can engage with these places, how we can work um, in these places. In my uh, opening introduction, I tried to sum up uh, seven points for uh, a methodology or a possible methodology to, to, to engage with uh, these uh, critical neighborhoods. 
And maybe you can tell us, share a little bit how you brought these methodologies together and maybe include a little bit um, or taking us to Shikala when you went there and how you worked in this neighborhood that was really about to be completely raised. Project like this only works if we have um, collaborations locally, no, with, uh, with institutions, with, with groups and uh, with residents. Uh, so we we uh, first trip I did uh, spend a month in Chicala on my own, basically mm -hmm. living with a, with a family there and starting to, to, to meet people and and, and residents and understanding the issues and and, and the customs and habits around there. And the following year only I I organized those workshops and then again the following year and again following year. So every year there we would have a different. Um, scope or different area to survey. The scope could go from housing to uh, places of worship or markets or uh, schools or uh, public space. Following those informal workshops, let's say that students were joining in their free time or something like that. Later, we were really formalizing the project within school with 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 a with a with a grant you know and turning it into a research cluster called the Shikala observatory so i think it's important this uh, aspect to 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 of institution building let's say uh, it's important to um, to search in archives to understand the histories that exist already uh, recorded and maybe the ones not recorded so we, we know what's missing and how, how we can contribute. We then can try to represent those uh, surveys and analyze and interpret uh, the material that were uh, growing and coming from the, the fieldwork and then turning it into a mode of representation that is visual and also it's more, uh, it tells about the real, the real. it's not, to turn all this material into graphics or statistics, you know, it's it's something more topographical. I think it's interesting to think with our tools, uh, drawing and uh, um, mapping, doing really uh, representing these 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 uh, these conflicts, these tensions, and and so on. Um, I I think it's important also a uh, uh, public acknowledgement and celebration about this project. So when we involve people like uh, dozens of students in a workshop, it's uh, I always try to, to bring in the this celebration aspect in order to um, acknowledge and thank everyone for, for their um, contribution and also invite the city to know the work that is being done uh, in people that wouldn't otherwise even step into the neighborhood they would uh, come to a cultural space for example to listen to a concert from local musicians or to see an exhibition from local photographers or um, uh, look at the, the students works and and, and and so on and uh, i think a last uh, topic in these seven points that i came up with in, in, in introduction, this, the, the dissident practice. So when we work in a place that is being um, under uh, transformation and there is uh, lack of voice from many uh, local actors and people don't really have a, a word in the future of the place, 
But there are uh, organizations and uh, there are um, groups that try to resist. And I think it's important to know who are those groups, who are those people, and how are they dealing with this? And um, it doesn't mean that we as architects have to wear the activist uh, clothes and, 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 and hats, but we, we, we can be sympathetic with these groups because we can understand the, the, the struggles and, and, and maybe we can, um, we can um, place somewhere in the, in the middle where we can access the higher spheres of decision makers and, 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 and um, policy, makers. policy makers. And then we can also understand the language of the, the, the ground that comes from, from, from the bottom up and, and, and from the ground. I think we can be placed somewhere in that middle point. <laughs> uh, immediate question. Um, this, this, this entire um, material and, and evidence that you brought together, um, besides entering your book, um, is it somewhere else captured? Is there um, in each of these places a partner that was interested in these oral histories that you produced with the students? Uh, yes, in the case of Chicala, halfway through my research, we, we set up the Chicala Observatory, which is a, an archive and it's available to, 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 to visit in the School of Architecture there in Luanda. It's a beautiful piece made of wood by local Very artisans. Nice. Um, yes, we, we, we recorded all the, well, we collected all the, the surveys, the, the, the map, the, the, the archival material and photographs, and it's possible to visit it. But it's also online. It's, there's a website called chicala.site where we have, I'm not sure how many, but maybe it's 5,000 photographs organized by categories, and uh, you can literally visit places that no longer exist. So this was really the... Um, The, the, the first step uh, of this project was to, to set up the archive and the Chicago Observatory. And I feel a project like this starts to gain its own life. Uh, it gets uh, ramifications and it starts to, to grow. And um, maybe this book is another step on the way in this kind of never-ending project, which uh, it's ongoing, really. I believe so. And I think this book is also a dialogue opening up now these uh, experiences to other uh, places, to, uh, with other people. Um, I hope it can continue. I'm, I'm pretty sure. And I just wanted to, to make another note. Um, in the book, Pauline also uh, includes um, an afterword performing the counter-archive written by Ines Weizmann that I recommend who is interested um, also in this way of archiving. And, uh, um, and I know that um, uh, Ines Weizmann is going to be with Paolo next week in Porto and uh, they will join um, other conversations around this book. And I'm, I'm very, uh, well, I, yeah, I think everyone that is listening now uh, being in Porto, don't miss um, to, to join uh, Ines and, and uh, Paolo, but uh, some thoughts um, diving into critical neighborhoods. So um, leaves me just to uh, recommend to uh, those who are listening, come by, Uh, Galleria um, Radio Antecamera, we have copies here and we have with us some um, guests who might want to ask questions and um, I make this a wrap and uh, 
go to the informal part of this evening. Thanks so much, Paolo. Thank you.